very few people are consistent. And I think that if you are consistent and you show up every single day and you're focused, a lot of people are looking for that super post on LinkedIn or that uh, 10x feature or that special thing that's going to solve all your problems. But building something takes time and consistency is kind of the only thing that is really going to get you to the place that you want to get to. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Arash Saidi. I'm the CEO and founder of Kindly, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Arash. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. And first thing first, then. Let's start with the elevator pitch. Can you please tell the listeners, what does your company Kindly do? All right. So Kindly, we create the world's most loved chatbots. Uh, We go beyond automating customer support. So our aim is to build uh, chatbots for our customers so that they can have conversations with their customers that are positive. And uh, that's kind of the vision of Kindly, to build the world's most loved chatbots. And uh, let's shift the focus towards you. Who is Arash? So uh, I have uh, a background in uh, computer science. I studied computer science at the University of Oslo, where I focused on artificial intelligence and uh, language technologies specifically. So uh, that's kind of my background. And I started uh, Kindly in 2016. And I've grown that company from uh, two co-founders to now 70 employees in Oslo and Stockholm. Let's go to some storytelling then. Who doesn't love to listen to a story? Because I want to hear the story of why and how you founded Kindly. Yes. Uh, So in 2016, uh, Mark Zuckerberg went on stage on F8 and talked about chatbots and how companies would start talking to their customers like they would talk to a friend on Facebook Messenger. So they opened Facebook Messenger for chatbots, and that was uh, kind of the cue to look into uh, the possibilities of creating chatbots on Messenger. So we actually started out as uh, a company building one chatbot. What we wanted to do was uh, connect that bot to all of the companies and services in Norway to begin with, and then uh, globally. Uh, But when we started doing that, we met with uh, different companies that were more interested in using our technology rather than connecting to the chatbot that we were building. So from the initial idea, we went to creating chatbots for uh, companies instead of creating one uh, chatbot for ourselves. So that was kind of the beginning. And then uh, we started automating customer support for some of the largest companies in the Nordics. And now we're focusing on building the world's most loved chatbots. Let's jump into the new segment, five quick ones. 
I just started it last week and uh, I really liked it. So it's still here and going strong. And now Arash, uh, I will I will give you a, a word and you quick. First thoughts, you need to be quick and not too long. And then we move on to the second thing. All right. Here we go. Sauce. Creating opportunities. AI. Building something that works as human as possible. Customer focused. Kindly. Chatbots. The future. And May, the month. Yeah, I feel like May is the month where summer kind of starts in Norway. <laughs> Thank you for this. And it's time for the first big segment in my podcast. I have two segments. It's leadership and business development. And today we start with leadership. Arash, are you a good leader? Well, I think uh, I strive to always become a better leader. It's difficult to say whether you're a good leader or not, but uh, I think I have uh, some very positive signs, which is, you know, I have a deep technical understanding. So I have a very deep understanding of the product that we're developing. I have a very close uh, connection to the product team. Uh, I have a very strong focus on vision and getting people together. Uh, but uh, probably one of the things that uh, I need to work on is uh, shutting up more and letting people talk. So that is something that I'm working on at the moment. And I think that that's the uh, sign of at least trying to become a better leader is to always figuring out what are your weak spots and working on them continuously. And if we go one layer deeper here, you have already tapping into parts of it. But if I want to go one layer deeper regarding superpowers, let's talk about some of your superpowers. What would you say are your main things here as a leader? I think what the feedback uh, from people at the company is that I have deep knowledge of the technology and the product that we're developing so that it is possible for me to uh, have a very strong vision that is connected to what we're doing on a daily basis. And it doesn't get too lofty and too out of touch with what we're doing and what we're producing. And that is... For sure, a superpower. I agree on. So let's talk about uh, odd things then. Can you share an odd thing that you have done or a leader above you in the past have done that when we think of it was actually really strange or odd, but also when you think of it, it had a huge amount of impact in the long run. Something odd here. Yeah. You know, I tried to think about this question like being odd or doing something that's odd that has had a huge impact but i think like it's not it might not sound very odd but consistency is very odd because very few people are consistent and i think that if you are consistent and you show up every single day and you're focused and you try to do your best uh, that's a rare uh, thing and uh, i you know i I don't see it a lot because uh, a lot of people are looking for that super uh, uh, post on LinkedIn or that uh, uh, 10x feature or that special thing that's going to solve all your problems. But uh, building something takes time and consistency is kind of the only thing that is really going to get there, get you uh, to that uh, to the place that you want to get to. So, so maybe like the odd thing is uh, showing up every day and being consistent. 
And I could argue also that uh, since you have done that for many years, that is one of your superpowers too, because that is that is a superpower according to me. And that is, I I I, I I'm with you. It's not so odd for me either. But when you when you take one step back, you're like, look, it's quite odd in society. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that can perform on a high level in a sprint right and then you kind of get burned out etc and, and and that's something that you can do at times and then you after a period of an intense sprint you kind of have to take a step back and, and try to regain your energy but uh, it is a marathon everybody says that but it definitely is and you have to like you have to set up your life in a way that you can perform at 80-90% every day and not 100% uh, one month of the year. Yeah. Here, here. Talking about then, what would you say are bad things or the worst things about being a leader and how do you handle it? The worst thing about being a leader is that no matter what happens, no matter the outcome, you are responsible for it. So even if it's something that is outside of your control or you haven't had enough time and focus on it, you are responsible when it doesn't work out the way that you planned. So I think that's the kind of the struggle uh, is that uh, you, you, don't re- you can't really impact a whole lot. You can set the direction, you can work towards it on a daily basis, but as the company grows, as there, uh, as you hire more and more people, you lose also more and more control. But at the same time, you lose control, but at the same time, you're responsible for everything that happens. Do you have some best practices, some like structure for yourself to, to handle when shit hits the fan and something outside goes wrong? Well, I think uh, like in the beginning, the first few years, when something negative happened, when something bad happened, I would sleep uh, worse. It would affect me on a personal level. And I think that is something that I've gotten better at. Like I know that the shit is going to hit the fan. There is going to be a negative thing that happens. uh, and, And you just have to learn uh, to not let yourself get too stressed out about it. And how did you learn that? Is it just years of wisdom? Is it meditation? Is it like a constantly reminding you? What was the aha moment towards that? I think it's like exercise. When you first start lifting weights or running or whatever, it's very, very hard and it taxes your body and you get very stressed out. But the more you do it, the more resistant you become to it. So after a while, the stress just impacts you less. So it's kind of, yeah, it's it's just time and experience. You can't really meditate it away, I don't think. You just have to experience the stress and get stressed out and get uh, uh, a few uh, nights and weeks and months of bad sleep. And then your body kind of starts adapting to it. Consistency. Here we have it again. No quick fixes, unfortunately. Unfortunately, there are few quick fixes to most things in life. If we're gonna wrap leadership up for this time at least, and uh, you need to summarize it. What is leadership from your point of view with one word? 
What is that? Consistency. Consistency. <laughs> yeah, we have been talking about consistency, I think, like already four or five times here in just the leadership segment. So leadership then is all about consistency. Let's move on to mistakes. The worst mistakes you have ever made in business and <laughs> you now have behind you so you don't have too much emotions around it so you can share about it. What would you say is a huge mistake you have done before and that you please would tell me and others to avoid? Yeah, so I think two things here. One of them is when something happens that makes you frustrated or angry or uh, sad or you know you're in a state where you have a lot of emotions uh, take a step back and i think that was one of the worst mis mistakes that i did in the beginning was i would respond while in a state of anger or uh, resentment or, uh, or feeling very neg negative emotions So, so that that is also like something that you just have to get used to and try to realize that when you're angry or when you're uh, in a state of lots of emotions, the way you're thinking is not very clear. So, so yeah, just just don't do that. <laughs> and the second is hiring people without having a clear vision or a clear picture of what you. Uh, want from that person and from that role. So I think uh, in the beginning, you kind of hire, I, I, I would hire a position because I felt like that position was something that we needed. But I didn't really sit down and think about what that, why we needed that role, what uh, that person would do, what would be the KPIs, how would we measure it? what type of feedback would I give that person, etc. So like hiring without a plan is very dangerous, not only for you and the company, but also for the person that you're hiring. Because that person might be extremely good at their job. They might be a very intelligent, high-performing person. But if you put them in a situation where they can't succeed or where there is no clear path towards success, then that can be very detri detrimental to that person as well. I can really relate to this. Uh, two mistakes then uh, it's time for a topic of your choice and the only framework here is that you need to be super nerdy and passionate about this topic that you now will share with me and the listeners so the floor is yours yeah i think you know it's, it's kind of lucky because everybody's talking about it at the moment but ai and generative ai is something that i really really I've been very nerdy about and uh, remember back when we were studying, AI was not uh, the hype that it is today, but uh, I always had a very deep interest in machine learning and neural networks and how they work both on like a math mathematical level and technical level, but also like building an intuition of how these models work and thinking about the impact that they will have on work and business and culture and music and art and all of the things that we are doing as human beings. Why? Why have you been so interested in this? I think it's because it, it's very connected to, like, I'm not a religious person, not a very spiritual person. 
so, so for me, like being a human being is matter. We're atoms and molecules, etc. And it just makes sense to me intuitively that if we can have feelings or if feelings and consciousness and all this activity can arise from uh, the physical world, it's possible to create it as well. So I think that's like the interest is that it kind of rocks at the fundamental of who we are and what we are. Yeah, this is philosophical topics at the at its core. Yeah, I think that uh, that kind of uh, is the thing. Like it, it, it kind of seems like this business thing that everybody's jumping on because they want to make money, they want to create companies, etc. But in the longer perspective, this is something that's going to really challenge humanity and what it means to be human and how we interact with each other and how we create things and art and expression and everything that we do is going to be very profoundly impacted by this. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about your nerdy, passionate topic of generative AI, Arash. And now it's time for an external question from a listener, not from AI. And this is from Caroline Solskjær at Nuverka. And this is her question. Hi, Arash. My name is Caroline Solskjær, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Nuverka, a B2B SaaS platform for the food and beverage industry. I was wondering if you could share two concrete use cases of how a B2B SaaS company ASAP can get up to speed with AI in relevant ways. Thank you. Kindly is definitely one of them, because no matter what you're doing, you can create a chatbot. And you can create a chatbot that is customer support, or that helps your sales team, or uh, that has an internal function that makes your teams more productive by connecting them to all of the relevant data sources that they need to make their jobs better. So that's one of the things that I would recommend any company looking into. And I think number two is setting aside some time so that your product team or your business development team can look into this. Like we had uh, a few weeks ago, we had a three-day hackathon that was just completely open anybody could do whatever they wanted but it was kind of it was connected to uh, generative AI generative models like what kind of things can we do with it and I think that right now so many things are happening and things are happening at a really really fast pace so I think it's important to take a step back and try to give room and space uh, time like space and time to your employees so that they can think, experiment, and develop something that is completely new. Maybe it doesn't won't have uh, a business case immediately, but in the long run, it will give your employees the tools and understanding they need to build the business cases of the future. Caroline, thank you for the question and for the answers, Arash. And it's time for the second bigger segment, and it's business development and the first thing here let's talk about kpis you can't have a sauce podcast without addressing kpis of course so what are the most important kpis for you if you would say your top three to six well i think we can focus on two actually because i think for sauce companies the cost of acquiring a customer 
and churn are two really, really important uh, KPIs. So you really need to figure out how much it costs uh, to get uh, a customer. And then you need to figure out how many of those customers you are losing annually. Because those two metrics are really fundamental in the amount of capital that you can raise, the speed that you will grow, and how well your business is going to do over a longer period of time. I totally agree with you. And if we look at one of your key product metrics, what would you say are the like North Star from a product perspective and not just a business or financial perspective? So from a product uh, perspective in Kindly, the most important thing for us is the number of conversations our chatbots have. So that is a number that is plastered on a screen uh, in the company that everyone has access to. Everybody looks at it on a daily basis and everybody at the company works really hard to get that number to go up as fast as possible. You know, building the world's most loved chatbots, you have to have as many conversations as possible to be able to do that. Yes. Except CAC, Sharon, and number of convers- uh, conversations customer have. Do you have any like critical ones you think it's important to mention and why you have that too? More. Except the ones that I mentioned, I, I think that growth rate is important, right? Like how fast are you growing? And how do you specify growth rate? So for us, the most important uh, measure in terms of growth is annual recurring revenue. So, 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 so grow, growth of ARR. Yeah. Good. There we have some key ones. And we move on to go to market strategies because you can't just have numbers and look at it. You need to do something and take it to the market. So can you share... Some of your best practices are on go-to-market strategies from a startup going to scale-up perspective. Yeah, I mean, the startup phase is very simple, right? Because you're very few people and you just have to figure out a way to reach your audience or your customers. And for most uh, companies or most founders, it's picking up the phone, using your network, talking to people and trying to get your product in front of as many people as possible. And uh, for us, it was just, uh, you know, we started the company, we had an office at Startup Lab and the people there in the administration were really, really key for us to get in front of uh, business leaders that would uh, look at our product and make a decision if they wanted to buy it or not. So at the beginning, it's quite simple, right? You just have to make phone calls, you have to send emails, you might do some marketing and LinkedIn posts, etc. But you just have to be very scrappy. And then as the company grows, it gets more complex. You have uh, a marketing team, you have a sales development representative team, you have sales people. It just gets more complicated. But at the same time, it's very simple, right? You have to get your product and your brand out to as many relevant people. So you can do a lot of marketing and you can reach a lot of people, but if you're not reaching your ideal customer profile, if you're not reaching your relevant audience, then that marketing and outreach doesn't really matter. So it is, it, it is important to define who are the people that you want to reach, and then you have to figure out a way to measure are we reaching them or not. Talking about then common mistakes regarding go-to-market, if you look back, 
what is a common mistake you see you did yourself with your go-to-market strategy earlier and you wish, oh shit, we burn money on that and time? Yeah, I think like one of the things that uh, we made that was a mistake was hiring people to do marketing and doing outreach without having a clearly defined uh, goal of what we wanted to, uh, what kind of KPIs, what kind of results we wanted to reach. So you have to be very strict about what you want to do with the capital and, and the people and the resources that you have. And you have to be able to measure it. So if you can't measure it, you don't know if what you're doing is successful or not. So you have to set up something that you can measure and you have to be consistent. Like that's the theme of our talk here. But I think a lot of people uh, want to find this uh, you know, pill that will solve all the problems, that will uh, generate uh, hype and will become this... Uh, next viral post or whatever, but you might find that yeah, like you might uh, be able to write a viral post. You might be able to write something that reaches a lot of people, but you're not going to do that by sitting and thinking about that one viral post. You can't spend six months creating that. You have to create things on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, and then potentially one of those things will go viral, or one of the things that you do will have a huge impact. But it's very, very difficult to know which one. So you just have to have a strong vision, hire the right people at the right time with the right focus and do things on a consistent basis. We have a lot of great nuggets here now in this part. Let's talk some cold outreach then, because I'm building a sales tool with the core video. What would you say is the best way to do cold outreach to you, Arash? How would you like to get approached? Cold outreach is so hard, right? Because so many people are doing it. My inbox is filled with people sending me uh, emails. And uh, the first thing I do when I get a cold outreach is to block that uh, email so that I, get, I never get anything from that person again. Unless the email or whatever it is that I'm getting a phone call or, or, or whatever it is, is relevant. Uh, that person has to know something about me, my business, and they have to really quickly be able to show what they can do to solve a specific problem that I have or give me uh, some results uh, and kind of prove that they will give me that result. And, and that's very tricky, right? It's not something that's easy. So in my opinion, cold outreach is... Uh, I mean, it's going to get more and more difficult. And I think like with generative AI and with uh, these uh, new models that can generate text, people are going to spam out cold outreach like never before. And it's going to feel personal. It's going to look personal, but it's not going to be personal. Uh, so I think that uh, you got to spend time learning about the person that you're going to reach out to. And you have to you have to bring something of value to that person. Would you prefer LinkedIn or email? Definitely would prefer LinkedIn because with LinkedIn, you at, at least usually have a face, right? You get something that feels more personal. And then uh, there's a lot of outreach that I get on LinkedIn from people that are like, hey, Arash, 
I've been following kindly for some time. You built such an amazing company. Can we have a coffee? I want to tell you about my product or whatever. Would never respond to something like that. Like, why would I spend time learning about your product? You have to tell me something about your product and what it does, what it can do for me right now before I decide spending time with you, right? So I think that cold outreach has to, you have to like, you have to bring something of value to the person you're reaching out to. And obviously my outreach to you worked. It wasn't completely cold because you was tagged with your colleague. So it's what, not super cold, but it was LinkedIn and you are here. Yeah, definitely, right? Because you posted something, one of my colleagues tagged me and then reached out. So there was kind of a connection through an intermediary. So those type of interactions, that's a good way of reaching out to someone. Yeah, I agree with you. Cold outreach will be harder and harder, but semi-warm outreach. Definitely. Okay, so we, we call it a shot here and move in to the roundup. We only have... Three questions left. First thing here in the roundup is just basically me fishing for other cool SaaS CEOs with the help of you. So I want to know, Arash, which two B2B SaaS CEOs do you think are interesting doing cool stuff and would like to listen to if I would interview them here in the future? Uh, one of the persons that I follow and really, really respect and kind of look up to in many ways is Eric Buckstaff Ardock. I think that uh, would be a very good uh, fit for for a podcast, uh, and also uh, Marit Rödevan of uh, Strice. Nice that you said Strice because I will have Marit here in two weeks in the podcast. Thank you for the names, two uh, interesting ones. Second last question then. Now I want you to talk to yourself, your younger self. If you would give yourself top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know for five, 10 years ago, what would you tell yourself? Don't get so stressed out. Uh, things will take time and uh, you don't need to stress over everything. You have to figure out uh, some things that you want to focus on and some things that you want to improve and you just have to work hard on them. Uh, it doesn't help to stress out and lose sleep and uh, skip exercising and eating unhealthy. That's that's not very good. So stop with that. Uh, and uh, also take your time with hiring. Spend uh, as much time as you can with the candidates. Ask them questions. Don't pitch kindly as much as uh, <laughs> you used to do. And, and just get uh, to know the people. And I think we just stop with these two. Good. The very last question that we have entered, we have arrived to then. Where will kindly be in five years? So I'm not going to give you any numbers because that is not the most important thing for me. Uh, and, and, but what I want is that kindly is a known brand in five years. So that people know uh, kindly, they know that we are a company that are building the world's most loved chatbots and that they have a familiarity with what we're doing and what we stand for. And I wish you the best of luck with that. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, tell a friend, a colleague to listen to Arash in B2B SaaS CEOs if you like what you heard. And number two, 
press the subscription button. We have a great guest coming up every week here. And Arash, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you for having me.